blessing, Almighty God, be in your heart and on your lips, and might worthily proclaim the gospel, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Epitha. Now that's a weird word. It's weird not just to us, but it was also weird to uh, Mark's listeners. That's why Mark has to explain the meaning of the word. It's an Aramaic word. Jesus spoke Aramaic, not Hebrew and certainly not Greek. And it's a word, those weird 
that is nevertheless powerful in the Gospel of Mark. Epatha. Feels like it has too many PHs and THs in it for any good word. But The word is a powerful word because it captures in that sound, which is so unusual to our ear, to the ear of the Greeks even in Mark's time, because it captures within it the great battle, you might say, between the powers of darkness, the powers of chaos, the powers that are always threatening to overcome the world and humanity with it, against a little carpenter from Jesus, from, from Nazareth by the name of Jesus. Epatha is the word Jesus uses to push back against that chaos. So the story begins, as you just heard, with um, Jesus coming back into uh, his own kind of countryside, and he's been traveling around up in the north, and he comes back, and the people bring him this person who is uh, deaf, and because he's been deaf, perhaps, probably, since birth, he's not able to speak. Uh, he's never heard living language in his ears, so he can't reproduce it with his tongue. So this is a terrible thing, because as a deaf-mute person... He's not able to make a living. He's not able to, to do the normal things that are part of uh, life. He's, he's, he's considered an oddball, a weirdo, somebody who probably, if he himself did not sin, then his parents were sinners, that they, that they were uh, sort of condemned by God with this, this son who could not speak, who could not hear. That's kind of the way they looked at things in those days. If you had something bad happen to you, it's because you had done something bad. And that was the case. It was sort of dishonor by, by just nature in a way. So he's in a, in a bad way, this fellow. And it's not his fault. That's the thing. It's so unjust. It's so uh, unfair that this man should have to spend his life not only not hearing, not only not speaking, but also having to live with this shadow of, of, of sin kind of hanging over his head that he can never escape. And so he represents in a way, he represents anything and everything that can go wrong in life and go wrong in the world. You know, it's, it's that all of that stuff that gets thrown into the basket that's labeled, it's just not fair, it's just not right. And in a very real way, he represents, in this story at least, as Mark tells it, not just sort of a generic sort of not fairness, injustice, but, but something deeper than that. Going all the way back to the story of creation. If you remember the very, very beginning... You know, the world is covered with the waters and it's all dark and it's chaotic and, and it's, it's this power of chaos that sort of his, fills the universe. And it's only God's creative power, it's only his grace, it's only his love, it's only his, his word, his breath that calms the chaos and pushes back against the darkness and allows life and love to then flourish. And that's precisely the situation we have as this man is confronted by Jesus. So we know this is a big story. This is a big deal in Mark's gospel because Mark, Jesus doesn't just sort of wave off the guy, give him a little blessing and say, go be healed and have a nice life. 
To the contrary, Jesus, first of all, takes the man apart. He leads him away from the crowd. He takes time out of his busy schedule to walk this guy to some private place where they can be alone. That doesn't happen very often in any of the Gospels. Secondly, he goes through these sort of strange rituals. He puts his fingers in the man's ears. And then he touches his tongue with his own spittle. He's he's giving him his life, his his grace, his his very spittle in a way. It's, It's so intimate, it's almost scary. And then the most important thing of all happens. Jesus shudders from deep down inside his guts. Jesus shudders and shakes because he is in battle against the powers of chaos, against the powers of darkness, against the powers that are always threatened to to overcome and envelop our world and take the life and the love and the God out of it. He shudders as he faces down, face to face, the injustice, the unkindness, the ingraciousness, the sinfulness, the the darkness, the chaoticness of the universe, of the world, of the human heart. And out of that shuddering, he utters that weird word, Epphatha, be opened. And he's not just talking about the man's ears and the man's tongue. He's talking about the man's heart, his life. And he's also, in a sense, talking about all of humanity with its darkness and its unfairness and its injustice and its chaos and its deafness and its blindness and its muteness in the face of God's life. And he's pushing back against that with all of his force. Be open. Be open. It's the breath of God that calms the wild, dark waters of creation and allows life and grace and most of all love to have a place to grow and to be flourishing. That's what's happening in this story. And it's a powerful story because it is a story about all of us and about our world and our lives and our universe even. How do we fight back against all the darkness out there? How do we struggle against all that is evil out there? How do we calm the waters of chaos in our lives, our families, our our world? The carpenter from Nazareth. Who is he for us? Is he for us what he was for that man? Do we trust him to say to us, as he said to him, 
and in a sense says to all creation, to your closed ears, be open. To your closed mouths, be open. To your closed hearts, be open. And maybe most of all, to your closed tombs, Ephatha, be open.